I'm Keith. And I'm John. And this is... Somewhat reliable source of information for most things. Most things, Keith. And here we are again. We have had somewhat of a hiatus. A hiatus. A hiatus. A hiatus. A hiatus. A hiatus. And uh, we're back. A lot going yeah. on in the world today. A few little health bumps in the road on my end, but it looks like things are shaping up pretty well. Right. So for those so, of you who stuck with us and said, hey, they haven't put out an episode in a while, but you're still here and you were just waiting for one to come out, we appreciate you guys. See, we're going the distance, Keith. We're going for speed. We're going Actually, we're not. Fast. We're not going for speed, Keith. I've always been the tortoise, not the hare, man. It's, we're going to keep plugging away. I hear you, man. Slow but steady. But once we get back up going, man, we're going to be the fastest tortoise you've ever seen. That's right. <laughs> like the one on those commercials. Exactly. Well, Keith, what you got to say today? We hadn't seen the people in, in a while or heard them or talked to them, either one. Well, I say we got a good topic for them today, John. All right, Keith. We Part of the reason that we want to do this topic is just because we like saying these two words together. You ready, <laughs> Keith? One, two, three. Kubla. And, and just uh, in full disclosure, it's actually probably pronounced Kubla. Well, possibly if you spell it K-U-B-L-A-I, yes. but also K-U-B-L-A is an appropriate... Is an acceptable. Is an acceptable thing, spelling, and we yeah. highly prefer Kubla. Yeah, because I think people are just trying to be sharp, and one thing we're not here on Flumadoodle is it's sharp. sharp. Yeah, so... So we're going to call them Kubla because it's We're not way the cooler. dullest knife in the drawer, but we're not the sharpest either, Keith. In fact, John, I probably <laughs> should have named one of my children Kubla because it's such a cool name. Well, I don't intend to get another dog, but if I do, Kubla is at the top of the list. I do have uh, Kubla the snail, right? Kubla the bereavement snail. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> in my aquarium. In the aquarium. All right, John. So Keith, why don't you start us off with this, man? All right. So let me give you a little bit of background about old Kubla. Kubla was a pretty cool dude, man. There's a legend about him that, um, and I always say this one wrong for sure, Genghis Khan. I'm going with Genghis. Genghis Khan. Genghis, Genghis. Yeah. We're Gang- going with Genghis. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, you know, he was the great Khan, the one who conquered all the lands and made the great Mongolian Empire, right? Right. One time in like the ceremonial hunt between his grandsons, or with his grandsons, Monkey, and I guess that's how you say that. Yeah, Monkey, he ends up being a yeah, he's the a emperor later on. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about him. So Monkey and his brother Kubla were Kubla. on this hunt, and afterwards they were having the ceremony. And Genghis says something, and they're Genghis's grandsons. Right? Yes, Genghis's yeah. grandsons. Genghis says something about Kubla that made you think that maybe this boy is a little bit special. Okay, he said this. It's after his grandfather smeared fat from killed animals onto Kubla's middle finger in accordance with Mongolian tradition, he said, The words of this boy Kubla are full of wisdom. Heed them well. Heed them, all of you. All right. Wow. All oh, right. It's chills down my spine, especially with the cool voice I use. You know? Man, that was that was <laughs> it, man. That was that was a great voice, Keith. I yeah. like it. So Genghis saw something special in this kid. Apparently, while they're on this hunting trip, you ever had one of your kids do that to you, John, and say something? You're like, "Dang, that boy's pretty smart." I you have. Know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like he's actually wiser than I give him credit for. Absolutely. Well, I guess it was kind of like that. He was saying some pretty wise things. Apparently, and his grandfather was impressed. Right? Kubla or Genghis knew it. So Kubla, you know, he was a pretty cool dude, and he grew up. Uh, side by side with his brother Monkey. Monkey. And uh, if they you want to say Monchichi. 
His, yeah. bro, his other brother, Monchichi. 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 Um, they were of the 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 youngest son of Genghis was their dad. Right. The Tolly line. Correct. Okay. Now, some people say, well, how did he end up, Monkey end up becoming a great emperor? I'm not going to go into every single little no, succession there's too many thing. nooks and crannies yes, there. Yes, because in. one thing that Genghis was, all the great things he did, or I guess you can call them great, all the things he did, the impressive things he did of conquering all these lands and creating the Mongolian Empire, one thing he failed miserably at was setting up a system of secession. Okay. Oh yeah, that was a big problem. Yeah. So it's legitimate just like, ideas of legitimacy plagued Kublai's reign. Yes. Yeah. So every every con after him basically was just like up in the air. It was like a big fight for who's going to be the next con, right? But they did come from the same line until Kublai. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit, right? So um, this line though was Tolly line, which was the first Monkey was the first out of the Tolly line. Now, how he became, how Monkey got this, was his mom was pretty smart on using a little tradition that the Mongolians had. We're going to see this used again later in our story, John. Right. But the tradition is is that the youngest son is the one who stays back and protects the homeland. Oh, yes. All the o- older sons go out and, you know, go to war. Right. Okay, so there's a certain level of advantage that you have there being in the homeland and being able to rub elbows with the nobles. Right. And so she used that to her advantage to get her son, Maki, elected as the great Khan. Right. So that is how Maki became the great Khan. We're not going to go that too much detail. That story's going to come up so again. That, yeah, that'll come up again yeah, later. Man. But let's just talk about how Kubla became the Khan first, though, okay? All right. Kubla and Maki was off to war. They were they were um, in a siege against the Song Dynasty. Right. Okay. And... It was going great. That's the song. That's the song that I think of when you say that dynasty. (laughs) The song that was that their theme song. That was the theme song of the song dynasty. It was their Christmas song. There you go. (laughs) So anyway, they were off and they were doing pretty well, right? But all of a sudden, disaster struck, John. Dun dun dun. Dun, As it often does, Keith. Monkey died. Monkey died. And it wasn't like in the war, I don't think. It was like 1259. Yeah. I think it was probably like from excessive partying and stuff like that. You know, okay. he just didn't really take care of his body. Right. Um, which was a problem so he got with a rich lot and of these fat. cons. Yeah. yeah. Um, they start it, sitting on the throne, and they get like Job of the Hut, and then yeah, yeah. it's all women and all wine the alcohol and alcohol you can get. Yeah. You know, um, probably opium back then, too. Who knows? Yeah, probably. Anyway, yeah. Well, opium fits into this story here in a little bit okay. on a side note. All right. I did not know that. By way of a romantic you poet gotta, named you Coleridge. Teach me something, John. Um, so anyway, Monkey's dead, and now what's going to happen? Okay, here's something that I hadn't told you. Kubla dun, and Monkey dun, dun. had another brother. They actually had a couple other yes. brothers. I, this guy's Ojibwe or something like that. The youngest one? Yeah. Was Eric Boke. Arabogni or so Bogni. Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking about because I was going to talk about him. I was just going to call him. I was just going to call him the little brother. Yeah, the little snot, right? Yeah, and that's he's what behind he, in the homeland. That's right? what he was. While they're out to war against has, the Song Dynasty. Yes, and he has that advantage, just like his brother Monkey did. The advantage that Monkey's mom used to get Monkey in power. Now she's there with Eric Bo- with Eric Boke, right? Right. And. Kubla's off to war against the Song Dynasty. Now, when he got word of his brother Maki dying, yes, he decided to stay a little while and f- try to finish. 
Okay. Now, there was some reasons for this, John. One reason is is he never would have thought that they would have held the Kirtai, the right. the meeting. The great gathering because, or the great yeah. something. I wrote that down, too. Right, the great gathering that they— The great assembly. The nobles come together and elect the next Khan. Khan. Right. Well, that had been put off for months and even years before because, like, a certain noble— couldn't come to it or even refused to come to it. And right. they would put it off until that certain noble could be there. Right. And so, like, really, Kubla's thinking, there's no way they're going to have this without oh, me. Oh, of know? course yeah. they are. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be the intrigue if it didn't. Right, would it? exactly. But Eric Boke, Eric Boke was... Uh, We're just going to call him Eric Boke. That Eric Boke, Eric yeah. Boke. He was manipulative, a little sucker, and he had he was over there rubbing elbows with all these people. Now, the big shots, <clears throat> schmoozing. Right. There's some other advantages, too. He started too. out on the Mongolian city council, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, them city council people are pretty good. Man. They're pretty uh, high-standard character, you know? Absolutely. But I tell you what, there was some other advantages for him to stay and try to just win this war. First of all, they had crossed this certain place that, like, if you cross it, you're on the brink of winning this war. Right. You're on the brink of taking the song. He's on the too. verge. Yeah. So you got to be thinking in his mind, he's thinking, okay, first of all, they're probably not going to have a curl tie without me. And they really didn't. He was actually right on that. Um, but we'll go into what did happen in just a second. But the next thing was he's thinking, hey, if I can conquer this land, that's actually will kind of more, even more legitimize that I need to be the next one. Right. You know, because that's a big win. And then on top of that, if I can conquer this thing, if there is some kind of dispute, that's even more men, more warriors I can use, more resources I can use to try to win that dispute. Right. There's a lot of good reasons for him to stay. What happened, though, is little rascal Eric Boat, while he was gone, he got all these uh, people together in support to support him as the next con. And then he raised together these armies and went in on Kubla's home homeland as like a hostile takeover. And so at that point, and that's like maybe two months later, and at that point, Kubla is just like, well, now I got to go back home and protect my homeland, right? Now, he had a pretty awesome queen who stepped in for him. Kubla's queen stepped All in right. and took leadership and was able to hold back Eric Boke long enough for Kubla to get Kubla back to home. Kubla to get back. And so he got to Shangdu. Yes. That's going to play in here in a minute, Key. Right, and that that's the next thing, right? So... He was advised that, hey, you need to go ahead and get a curl tie together and uh, nominate, you know, get nominated Yourself. as the next, <laughs> as the next, not Genghis Khan, the next, the next Khan, Khan, the great, great Khan. The leader. Yes, the, the leader. Ruler. The emperor, basically. Right. So that's what he did. Now, what place did you say that was in? It was in Shangdu. Now, what's different about that and any other curl tie that had ever happened? Every other curl tie that had ever happened in no history. Took someplace in in Mongolia. Mongolia. Yeah. Okay. So and also it wasn't the near kind of support. So this was probably in northern China. Yes. Uh, below Mongolia. <laughs> right. So, and and the thing is, John, is it it was effective in some sense because he now Eric Eric Boke just not too long after that he's going to get his curl tie together. He does, and he gets elected Khan. And he gets elected Khan. So now we got two cons. We got two cons. Well, here's the thing. We got Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. (laughs) (laughs) She'll tell you something good. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, that's all right. There are people out there that get that. Chaka, that was was Kubla's little sister. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan, I got you. Okay. Um, 
But it did do some good, though, because it kind of made Eric Bokes look like it was the second one, like in response to his. Right. Because he was first, you know. Um, but then on the other side, they were still always – I mean, actually, even after he w- wins this whole thing, which we'll get into in a second – there was always questions of his legitimacy. Yeah, there's a lot of people thought that he stole it, that yeah. there's another guy in line that should have had it, right. not Kubla. Yeah. So anyway, But his name wouldn't have been as fun to say. We'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and finish this out. Basically, after that, obviously, there's a war that ensues, right? Yeah, between the brothers. Yeah, but the one thing that— Kubla wins. Yeah, Kubla wins, and here's why he won, John. He owned or controlled land— that really controlled almost all the supply chains. Uh, I got you. So Eric, Eric Bo, that was what his problem was. Like, so he was the logistical man. He had the logistics on yes. his side. He, Eric Bo couldn't get the supplies because all the land that um, Kubla controlled was the supply chains. And so he couldn't get supplies, and that wore on him over time. And then he also, Eric Boat made some, he, he kind of a little brat, you know. He made some bad decisions that turned people against him that was his friend. And once they turned against him and he didn't have that support or those allies anymore, it was just kind of over with at that point, you know. So, John, did he kill his brother, though? That I do not know, Keith. He actually didn't, not to start with. Which would fit in because one of the things that Genghis did no. Genghis Khan, he was the uh, kind of uh, raise and burn kind yeah. of guy. When he was in, you conquered the land, slaughtered everybody the end. Yeah. Genghis realized, hey, that's not going to be real helpful when we conquer these lands. Maybe if we're a little bit nicer to the folks, at least don't kill them all, yeah. we, we can work this out a little better. See, Kubla, actually, he had to make amends with Monkey at one point because he had kind of went astray and was trying to do his own thing. And, and actually, Monkey came in and had uh, killed a whole bunch of Kubla's officials because they were going a, a, above and beyond what they needed to be doing. I got in you. His, in his property that he controlled. Right. And then there was this big you know, hoopla about them making amends and made it a public spectacle and all that. Well, kind of the same thing went on with Eric Boke and, and, and Kubla. It was like this thing, oh, we're, we're good now and all this. But then he mysteriously died not too long after that. And okay. so it's kind of like, you know, he probably did off him. He, he got somebody yeah. to do it. He got some ninjas to do it. <clears throat> yeah. So that's my Which story is show. there, John, about how Kubla come into power. I mean, it's pretty cool, but the thing is, though, John, is it left the Mongolian Empire like it had never been before, which was really split up into different factions. It really wasn't a single Mongolian Empire. And that's where we're going to head again. next, yeah, Keith. So you go ahead and dive into that, John. All right, Keith. So where we're going to pick up, we're talking about around 1270, 1271 A.D. All right. And Kubla has done his, what I guess we're going to say, Kurilte. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think I said curl ties. Whatever, either one. Just yeah, don't expect our. This is like pronouncing Old Testament names or something, man. Don't expect us to get this right, at least the pronunciations. I just recently learned Mongolian, so exactly, we're working on it. We're still a little rusty. So here's Kubla, and it took him some time. It took him about, I think it was up to about nine years after that, till the Song Dynasty was finally defeated. Yeah, but what his hopes were, which is crazy, because he almost had it at one point. Right, you know, then had to start all over basically. And that's a whole different story. We won't dive in, but he had some of the Song generals defect to his side, and uh, over time, they, they just saw the way the tides were turning. He was pretty good and, at uh, military strategy. Well, and that's the thing, he was good at that. And not so good at statesmanship 
ultimately right. it was which what causes ultimately the Yuan dynasty to come to an end. So we had the Song dynasty, the Yuan, and next is something that we all know, and we won't go into it, but a lot of people have heard of this just casually, heard of the Ming dynasty. Yeah, I've heard You've of it. You've heard of like Ming vases and pottery and stuff like that, but that's a different story. So this dynasty was not there for very long, just to be honest with you. It was like 1271 to 1368, so it was less than 100 years. Okay. And, um, but now we've talked about the brother, the younger brother. He's defeated him. Yeah. But there's always these undercurrents because here's from the beginning, Kubla did do a couple of things that were, were nice. Prior to his reign, the Mongol tribes were kind of a very loosely affiliated confederation of autonomous tribes. Yeah, like the Golden Horde. You know, you know something I've wanted to say this whole time? Golden Horde. The Mongol Hordes. The Mongol Hordes. hordes. That's actually, I think that's how we decided to do this podcast. Talking about the Mongol Hordes <laughs> You said Kublai. something about Mongol Hordes, and I said something about Kublai. <laughs> Kublai. Like, yeah, let's do that. So, so what? this actually made me think of an Indian chief. Yeah. Like sometimes we talk about nations, but these were a very tribal group of people. Mm-hmm. So these loosely affiliated, almost like what we would think of tribes. Yeah. And what he was able to do is kind of bring those tribes together. Now, is that in the the area of China with the Yan? Right. Dynasty? Just that. Well, just in his reign. In his reign. Bring okay. those tribes together. Not yeah. all the way together, because there's always questions of his legitimacy. Right. But it made me think of somebody, uh, a very wise Indian chief named Tecumseh. Oh, okay. And I forget the story. That's the, that's the word for the day, John. Tecumseh. Well, Tecumseh, what he wanted to do, I don't know a whole lot about him just right off the top of my head, but I got a really big book that I'd love to read someday. Okay. And uh, I know he was a very influential Native American chief. And he saw what was happening with the with the new European settlers that were coming in. Yeah. And he's like, if we just fight this as groups of small tribes, we will lose. Yeah. So he tried to create a confederacy of all these disparate tribes that had warred with each other. And if he had yeah. been able to convince them to come together as one group, yeah. it would have been, might, we might have had a lot of different looks back 300 right. years ago. Well, anyway, that just made, that's a little aside. Back to the story. Kubla was able to bring those Mongol tribes together into more of one individual group, okay. except for some of the old school folks. They really resented a couple of things. He's moving to China. He has this desire to reunify China. Yeah. Okay. Which I think Which, was kind of the, the highlight of his reign. It right? was. And that's where, that's where this Yuan dynasty was created. China had not been unified since like the 900s. Wow. Under the, I forget which exact dynasty, the Tang dynasty. Tang. And so like that's that orange drink that, yeah. the, that the space guys use. Yeah. And uh, also known as astronauts, which, by the way, shameless plug, go space back and listen guys. to all our space stuff this yeah. last few months. We say cool things like space guys. <laughs> space guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's the official term, by that the way. That is, yeah. And uh, so anyway... It's really amazing. Some stuff I read just through the force of his personality more than his statesmanship was able to unify China. That's what Genghis saw in him, right? That yeah, personality, that exactly. wisdom, the, the way because he Because it really, the, it, that personality, the way he presented really obscured the fact that they really didn't know a lot about governing those regions. Yeah. They were very, they took over all that region, which by the way, the Yuan Dynasty, Keith, 
in the West, mm-hmm. imagine where China is. Now let's go all the way over to Eastern Europe. In the West, all the way over to Poland and Hungary, up to Russia in the North, which yeah. is above Mongolia, China and Mongolia, all the way down to Syria in the South. That's yeah. all the way in the Middle East. So huge, huge. I mean, we're talking about one of the great empires of all time, like the Roman Empire kind of thing. And so, but he started getting a lot of resentment that uh, he had abandoned the old ways. They were very mighty military men. And uh, some of the Chinese elite said, hey, you can conquer on horseback, but you can't rule on horseback. Right, yeah. And it quickly became clear that conquering China and ruling this whole huge territory were whole different situations. Absolutely. And, so, uh, and you know, what you're talking about there is how he ruled these Chinese people. That really is what helped him win against Eric Boat because he was able to get these supply chains in China, like that that area, because of his the, the different way he ruled them. And he actually got all these people on his side. Well. They liked him. Some of them, anyway. Yes. Yeah, the 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 first two classes. There were four classes generally. Okay. There was the Mongol elite. Well, of course they loved him. That was a the, maybe in, in the China territory. In the whole empire. I got you. Okay. So they're the elite. No taxes. No nothing. There's upwards of hundreds of thousands of these Mongol elites. Yeah. That had a military background, and then the second class. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not even going to say it. But they were often um, what we would call maybe governors. Were they the ones or, that were real traditionalists? No, they were people like Marco Polo, who came from oh, Italy, okay. who you. were foreigners, who he set in ruling positions to kind of govern. Right. The next three are the Hansen and the Nanren, I think it was. Those are the northern Chinese and the southern Chinese. So if you were on this low end and you were uneducated and you were a peasant, yeah, the brunt of all that, as in all empires, was on your back right. to work and to be taxed. But on a, on but, a, but he tried to relate to those people, right? Like try to be an everyday man. I don't think so. Oh, really? The Mongolian cons, from what I read, they were very much big on the idea of their power benefiting them. Oh, okay. Now there are some that say he was more benevolent. Certainly, yeah. than people before. He wasn't just coming in and like, "Hey, I'm killing you all." He, had he studied, gave people. He had a, studied several different religions. He had. He was yeah. very more a little more religious and Buddhism. Confucianism, and he was a. He ended up being a Tibetan Buddhist. Yeah, and he even even had a wife. I think that was Christian. I believe. Yep. Yeah. He did a Nestorian Christian princess. Yeah. I believe it was. So he still got all these Mongols that don't like him, though, right? He's adopting Chinese culture. He realizes if I'm going to rule the Chinese, well, well, I'm going to have to adopt they, their culture. Yeah. Well, that that's one of the reasons some of these Mongolians didn't like him because he's adopting these different cultures. Exactly. That's one thing that Eric Boke had going for him, being in he was the, the more homeland. Staunch. Yeah, he was able to participate in all these traditional things. Right. And these noble people really liked that. And they saw the guys that were out to war, they saw them kind of tainted by the other cultures, you know, because they're out there with those other cultures. Right. So now, all throughout his reign, there was an opposition leader named Kaidu. He was the grandson of Ogadai. Oh, yeah, Ogadai. I read about And him. Genghis had picked Ovidai, Obadai, mm-hmm. Ogadai as his yeah. legitimate successor. Now, that's an interesting story, too. The, his, his first two sons were fighting over how to handle after they seized this place. Right. One son was going to get 
control of it after they got done siege and stuff. Obviously, he wanted to do a diplomatic solution. Well, the second son was like, hey, quit being a sissy. Let's go take these people. You know, right. you're taking too much time. Well, they couldn't decide. And then Ogbedai comes in and he's like this, you know, solves the problem and then goes in like while they're arguing, goes in and, and does it all and takes care of it just like he's supposed to. And that's who Genghis picked. And, and that's that was Genghis's guy. guy. Mm-hmm. That was Papa Papa Genghis's dude. Papa Genghis. So Kaidu always had the air of legitimacy about him. He was always like, I'm the lineage of Ogadai, o- yeah. who Genghis picked. And do you know, he actually became the Khan of Mongolia and Turkestan proper. Yeah. And ruled that above Genghis for the rest of his life to like 1301. Oh, okay. So he still had his powerful place. So China was united. And it was declared the Da Yuan Dynasty, or the Great Origin. It had Dandu as the capital, which is on the side of modern-day Beijing. That's Dandu. Dandu. And then it had one, Keith, that I want to share real quick. All right. Shangdu, also known because of old Marco Polo, who went there during his reign, as Xanadu. Xanadu. So there's a famous romantic era poet named Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Yeah. And the story is in in the midst of an opium high, he had a dream, obviously inspired by the very colorful, sometimes elaborated upon writings of Marco Polo. And I'm just going to read the first verse. This is supposedly the summer residence of Kubla. What's the name of the? Xanadu. Xanadu. Oh, no, the actual poem is called Kublai Khan. Yeah, I, actually, I heard this. So, in yeah. Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles of fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round. And there were gardens bright with sinuous rills where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree. And here were forests ancient as the hills enfolding sunny spots of greenery. So it just paints this like Elysian, just, just yeah, beautiful, beautiful Edenic with, sort with of Alf right in the middle. Alf right yeah. in the middle, straight from space, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Except this was A L P H. Oh, okay. Different. So one thing Kubla was known for is which you talked about him having access to the to the roads and such as that, right? Right. He was known for his projects his infrastructure yeah so he did build this beautiful place they were known in that time because of the influence of persian um scientists or what we would call scientists nowadays anyway learned persian folks who had uh high level responsibilities in the kingdom you have things like accurate maps a little something we still use today keith came to prominence during his reign the use of paper money backed by Precious metal reserves. Oh, so that was, was that the first time or? No, it wasn't the just, first time. Just came in. It promise. came around, I think it came in around Genghis's time there. Paper money did. Oh, wow. But he's the one that really established that kind of cool, as yeah. the legal tender. Now, he made some mistakes too. Now, we do it now without even being backed by precious metal. There you go. That's a whole <laughs> different story that we won't get into today. Well, it's backed by our government and the yeah, strength right. of our awesome governments. Sure. So, um, now, he did make some mistakes, for sure. He fought and wasted a lot of resources on useless colonial wars. 
He tried to attack, attack and take over Japan a couple of times, down into Anam, which is current-day Vietnam, and Cambodia, and Burma, or Myanmar. So maybe not the smartest guy in those terms. But he was able to hold on to the reins of the dynasty for, how long was it? About 30, 40 years? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that himself. And then, as happens to all the big shots, he went on his way. It still lasted. The dynasty still lasted a number of years after his death. But he had so mistreated the peasants. You know, anytime you have a caste system, yeah, there's got to be somebody on bottom and somebody on top. Yeah. And the ones who are explicitly on top, the ones who are most able in that situation, doing nothing while the peasants on the farmland there, bearing the brunt of the taxes, going to war, that kind of thing, ultimately they got fed up with it. Right. But it was still about 30 years after Kubla's death before there was a lot of, like, really intense peasant revolts. Right. But anyway. So that was really, though, his his great accomplishment, though, was um, uniting that Yuan dynasty. Uniting China. Yeah, uniting China. And that whole, and then establishing that Yuan dynasty Mm -hmm. that lasted. And there's some other things. It's a pretty deep story. It's like any rabbit hole that we get into. You can go pretty deep. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love to talk more about the the Golden Horde. The Golden Horde. Which is also just called the Great Horde. The Great Horde. Yeah. That wouldn't have been awesome. Because it, it was actually a pretty big place, too. It was Monkey. Of, of the, all the different territories, that was probably one of the biggest. Now, he is considered by some, uh, at least by old Sanders, like I said, to be more benevolent. Yeah, yeah. Than like predecessors like Genghis. Yeah. Who were just slash and burn. Well, he was able to win them on his side, at least for the battle with Eric Eric Bogue when he right. went down there initially, you know. And he I'm did sure there was rebellions later on and stuff like that, but but you know, he, he had a way about him that even Genghis saw when he was hunting with him, you know, right. a way with words. He had a certain wisdom about him. And he had one of the better names of all historical yeah. leadership figures. Kubla. And that is the story of Kubla Khan. Kubla Khan. Well, Keith, that's all I've got to add right now. You got anything? I ain't got nothing. That was fun, man. Well, I've been John. And I've been Keith. And you can reach us at doyouflumadiddle at gmail.com. We're still on Facebook. Do You Flumadiddle. What else, Keith? Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. We're going to work on that more and more as we're getting, yeah. Check us out. We're going to be adding adding more and more content. More and more value to you. I've got some stuff on there now about how you can become financially free. Yeah. What we're doing, Keith, is we're not just doing podcast stuff on there, but Keith and I have interests Mm -hmm. that don't just extend to podcasts. To just like random topics. Yeah, to random topics, which we love random (laughs) topics of stuff. Um, But. Yeah, the financial stuff, Keith's real up and uh, and real good on that. So we're just doing some little videos about financial independence and, and how to approach that. Um, you know, I may do some music stuff on there. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. Hey, maybe we could do some stuff. I've been doing the audio stuff for a long time. Might even do some uh, how to do your own podcast type yeah. stuff. Technologically, what you need, software-wise, how right. to get that going. And so you get you all know. this stuff for like just five bucks a month. And then if you really want a whole lot of support, let's say you want me to walk you through this financial piece stuff, you know, then you're talking about $10 a month for that. So, I mean, right. you know, we're not asking for a ton of money up front or anything. We don't want to break the bank on you. No, we're not asking for much. Kubla would have asked much of you. Oh, yeah. not out of All right. Well, we'll see uh, the flummadiddle hordes at a later date. God bless.